Everything I learned from movies Helps to make life a little bit groovy Whether one line of plot holes or two it is movies It's time to get busy with your friend Stephen Izzy Steve. And I'm Izzy. And this is Everything I Learned From Movies. And welcome to the SoCast Sequel Month. It's a sequel. Yes. Welcome. It's September. SoCast Sequel Month. Yeah. And tonight we're talking about Gremlins 2, the new batch. In 1990. Um, uh, a scanned 12 years? <laughs> the first one? Uh, six or seven. Uh, I think it was about six years. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. Um, but yes. Uh, just a yeah. wonderful movie. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of great puppets and stuff in it. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. The puppets, def- like, the first one is, of course, a classic. If you haven't <laughs> seen it, slap your parents because they did a terrible job. Um, <laughs> but uh, in this one, the puppets are actually like even better. And listening to interviews with people who worked on it, they had a much bigger budget. They got to work with the Frank Oz studio and uh, on the second one, and so they had more to work with. The plot in that, uh, again, having listened to interviews with people who like wrote it and all of that, they were trying to make fun of the first one, and people just didn't get it. Yeah. But first... <laughs> Before we get into it, I'm feeling a bit <coughs> parched. It's a little dry. Uh, <coughs> um, we have, uh, we have s- two beers to choose from. Which would you like first? Well, let's go ahead and start with an Esther Vanilla Stout. Mm, from our favorite brewery, Elevation 66 here in El Cerrito. Oh my <laughs> goodness. If you find yourself in Mid-Cal, Mid-California, eh, Northern California oh, they right. say, but really we're right in the middle. Outside of San Francisco, excuse me, visit Elevation 66. This place has phenomenal beers. They're a little tiny place. They're next to phenomenal food, too. Phenomenal food, too, yeah. It's awesome. And this is straight up one of my favorite beers of all time. This is the very first beer I ever had going in there. I love dark beers. I, yeah. This yeah they just celebrated their fifth 
anniversary, and we had our first date there, scant almost five years ago. Yeah, it was like yeah. four years and eight months. Oh, uh, January, I mean, right? Yeah, it was like January. Yeah. So, so. that's the like four or five months after New year, so yeah. And it's the place where Steve proposed to me. It's true. Very, very special things for us. Alright, so now that you've all purged your stomachs, uh, get ready to listen to the pop on this beer. So, it's from our growler. Woo! Growler pop! And the pour. Mmm. Alright, hopefully you guys got to hear that. If not, there was just some dead air. So this is a pitch black beer, because it is a stout. Nice and dark. Mmm. Aromas of dark chocolate and coffee, for sure. It's got a dark khaki colored head. Yeah, this is a super dark beer. Mm -hmm. Dark indeed. Sorry, still pouring here. <laughs> pouring himself a beverage. Yeah. So this cop, this uh, this beer definitely has a little bit of notes of coffee, a little bitterness on the end from the uh, the dark malt, and then a whole bunch of like chocolate and vanilla up front. They add yeah. real vanilla extract to this. Yeah, it really smooths smooths it out. So it's mm -hmm. Yeah, this beer's about four percent, so it's nothing crazy. Very easy to drink. One of like I said, this is one of my favorite beers. When we go, like if I don't know what to order, I'll just order this. Yeah, we did go to that for sure. And one of the best parts is they will pour it in an imperial pint. That is 18 ounces. Oh. You want 18 ounces of beer? Yeah. Of course. Of course you do. Why wouldn't you? Right? Oh. All right, honey. So, Gremlins 2. Gremlins 2. Well, let's start with the, uh, the details. Um, it's uh, from director Joe Dante, who did the original Gremlins. Mm -hmm. uh, it's also in a couple other, uh, uh, we'll say classic movies. Uh, he did The Howling. Uh, he did one of the segments in the Twilight Zone movie. He did Explorers, uh, Inner Space, The Burbs, Matinee, Small Soldiers. And the last one he's done lately is uh, Looney Tunes Back in Action, the Brendan Fraser one. Oh, about yeah. a decade ago. I have to say, I don't hate any of those movies. Yeah. I love Matinee. I know that's like a weird, quirky little film. I love that movie. Yeah, he seems to specialize mostly um, in movies that are kind of border, uh, like those genre benders, like kids and yeah. adults kind of thing, like a very weird mid-ground where it's like it's scary to kids, but kind of intriguing to adults too, just with how weird it is, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, well, the part of the reason I love those movies is because those are all the movies that I grew up with. Like, I didn't have the parents who, my parents never said you can't watch rated R movies, can't watch any of that, and so I found myself... And, and what I discovered just in myself is that as a kid I found myself attracted to movies that weren't necessarily super scary but weren't necessarily just Disney movies. Like, I love Disney movies, don't get me wrong, but, like, as mentioned on this podcast before, my favorite movie of all time, forever and until now, is Big Trouble in Little China. And that's <laughs> fantastic. I think every six-year-old should have that as their favorite movie. Oh, absolutely. A little, bit odd. Yeah, a little dark for a six-year-old, but, I mean, you turned out fine. Perfectly fine and normal. How's your uh, beverage out of your parrot? <laughs> <laughs> I drink from a parrot. What of it? <laughs> what of it? A movie that we've yet to review on this movie or on this podcast, but uh, in John Wayne's The Conqueror, they drink from a ghost. Oh my god, I want that drink from a ghost. 
<laughs> By the way, if you haven't looked at The Conqueror, pause this right now and Google The Conqueror. Feel horribly offended and then order it on Amazon or it's something. John Wayne is Genghis Khan. That should pretty much sum it up for you right there. <laughs> oh my god. Anyway, right. we're not talking about The Conqueror. We're talking Wait. about Kremlin. How many, how many minutes are we in the podcast? Oh, uh, buddy. <laughs> Eight minutes in, and uh, we'll, we know who the director is. That's good. Yeah. Uh, of course, the original movie, you know, about the little... Well, I mean, the, I guess the uh, trailer kind of fills you all in. It's uh, a yeah. cool little... little Mogwai. Uh, Mogwai, that's it. Uh, the three yes, rules. No. Otherwise, they spawn off these horrible demon seeds. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mogwais are pure and innocent creatures, but from pure and innocent course comes debauchery. <laughs> and they spawn it. There you go. Also starring in this movie, uh, we have uh, Zach Gilligan and Phoebe Cates uh, reprising their roles from the original movie, now a little older, as uh, Billy and Kate. Uh, they basically moved to the, the big city of New York mm-hmm. uh, for their respective jobs. Uh, Billy is a uh, architect, right? Yes, he's an architect. Yeah. He he designs uh, he designs buildings and he is designing things for Mr. Clamp. Clamp Industries. Absolutely not Donald Trump. Absolutely even a bit. not. Donald I don't know what Trump. you're talking about. And played by the great John Glover, um, oh. and I, hands down his finest role. It is. He just soaks up all of the scenery <laughs> and takes in the performance. He really does. He chews really the scenery the up. Oh uh, my God! I fantastic. want. And the thing is, in this movie, I want more of him. Yes. I want a spin-off. <laughs> uh, I want just like what I just I just want what he I, I just want a spin-off of just him, yeah. Also in this movie, uh, Robert Picardo is uh Clamp's right hand man Forster. Uh, you may know him from uh, Star Trek Voyager. What one of the Star Trek series, I not a big Trekkie. Uh, Christopher Lee as Doctor Catheter. Possibly the most terrifying <laughs> name ever. And of course, you know, Christopher Lee's voice really makes it even more intriguing. Right? Oh my god. Uh, oh, Dick Miller comes back as uh, Murray, who I think is Kate's dad? Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, maybe. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, it's, their it's their neighbor. Yeah, the neighbor. That's it's right. Their neighbor. That's right. The neighbor from the first movie. Uh, John Aston is the janitor at Plant Industry. Uh, Dean Norris from. Uh, Breaking Bad is the SWAT, lead, SWAT team leader. Howie Mandel is the voice of Gizmo. And as you may have heard from the preview as well, the voice of Tony Randall as Brain Gremlin. <laughs> right? The super smart man. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, in this movie, they move to the big city. Blah, blah, blah. Um, I forget how Gizmo gets into the whole thing. Sorry, it's been a few weeks since we've actually seen the movie. Oh, um, so what it is is oh, that's uh, right. Michael the guy's place gets torn down. Yeah, yeah, so he's back in the curiosity shop, and he's addicted to TV now, and yes. the, the old Asian man is making fun of him for that, and Mr. Clamp wants to demolish the whole area to build his big building. The condo and stuff, like, and or the whole yeah. neighborhood, or whatever it's called. And he's the last, uh, he's the, la- the last, the, the old Asian man is the last person who won't give up his shop, and they offer him tons of money, he goes, no, 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 I love my curiosity shop. Uh, they drop something in his drink, and he mentions he has a heart attack and dies. Yeah. So Gizmo, uh, like, basically runs away as the building's being destroyed because they decided not to remove any of the curiosities. Yeah. yeah. Which I feel like they could have made a couple of maybe thousand dollars just like 
He felt so. a pawn shop or whatever right? and like come in and raid the joint. Yeah. But no, so he ends up in a little garbage can because he's trying to hide from the sun because it'll kill him. And he's so sad and he wanders into the clamp building and eventually wanders into the arms of Billy. Of Billy. The old lady like, oh, guess what? What are you doing here? And he had a oh, little no, actually That's right. He well. gets picked up by one of the by the guy in oh, the that's clone. Right. That, that's and right. And he gets pulled <laughs> into the genetics lab. That's right. The the brother clone twins or whatever. So so <laughs> in the movie, there's a heavy set gentleman who's hilarious. I yeah. want more of him too. He's a scientist, and his clone. And it turns out in real life, they're twins. Yeah. Although, when I was watching the movie, I thought it was a guy with, like, the mirror camera trick. Yeah. No, it turns out they're twins. And yeah, that's pretty good. I couldn't <laughs> tell them apart. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, yeah, you get uh, picked up by those guys who work for Dr. Catheter in the the weird uh, research and development wing of Clamp <laughs> Industries. And they're uh, basically doing a lot of experiments on animals and trying to figure out, like, uh, Hours or everything like the uh, the sunblock with like like permanent sunblock or whatever. Yeah, they're testing uh, it out on bats. Yeah. To use them as messengers. Yeah, lots of things to do with like spiders and snakes and all, uh, or like growing giant organic fruit, you know, stuff like that. Just weird stuff with yeah. some weird side effects involved. You know, one of those typical like mad science stuff. All that by Doctor Carpenter. <laughs> Right? I'm going to say that until I'm, I'm sick of it. It oh, should be right do right it. Now. Do it over. Um, do it as much as you can. But, but yeah, then eventually... Um, oh, that's right. The uh, One of the janitors, or, or the delivery boy is like, going through. Uh, I'll the guy from Training Day. I forget his name. But uh, he hears like Gizmo like whistling a little tune or whatever, and he comes out whistling it, and Billy's like, oh, hey, yeah. where, where did you hear that? Where did you hear that song? Like, I don't know, making a delivery over in that weird science place. And he goes and checks it out, and that's where he finds Gizmo. And Gizmo, what are you doing here? I'll get you out of here, little buddy. But first, I have a hot date with my new boss. Yeah. Billy, I'm ready to take you out to Santa. <laughs> yes, that's right. Harley Quinn is his new boss. and No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, maybe a you know a Jersey lady. Uh, you know she's kind of cute. Give her that, but she's also a little insane and like, oh, you got a girlfriend you're living with. Oh, that's cool. We can just have sex. You know, yeah, don't that, worry. I don't mean nothing to you, but I am your boss. You should probably do what I say. Yeah, including you know. And I have the sexiest all. accent of all time. <laughs> oh my God! Yes. Uh my panties are melting off right now <laughs> as I as I think about the nanny. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it's so exciting. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Alright, so real quick, fun fact. In the novelization of Gremlin uh, first off, my apologies to anyone who's living in New Jersey or Boston. I'm sorry. First off, uh so in the novelization of Gremlin, the Mogwai are the first stage of the Gremlin life cycle. They're similar to Furbies. And the most famous Mogwai, of course, is uh, Gizmo. Originally, from uh, they're originally very peace-loving little creatures created by a scientist, Mogwai, on a faraway alien planet. Um, according to the novel, based on the film, the Mogwais were created by an extraterrestrial on an extraterrestrial planet by a plastic scientist named Mogwai, as in uh, as the ultimate organism, docile, peaceful little powder puffs intended to promote peace and good throughout the galaxy as ambassadors of harmony. 
The Mogwai were created to be able to survive almost any every environment Except and also reproduce very easily. The Mogwai were then sent out to three planets. KLM-6 uh, in the Porosity Range, Klimpus uh, A in the Beehive Polis, and the third planet of Minor Sun number 67672, Earth. Due to several of Morgan's miscalculations, though only one in 10,000 Mogwai turned out to be good and affectionate. Most of the others turned out to be malicious and evil. They were burned into legend of the legends folklore of our ancestors as pixies and goblins of fables gone by. That is the biggest load of BS I've ever heard in my life. That is from gremlinswiki.com. Oh my god, that's a thing. You know what that sounds like to me? Hmm. The original version of Highlander 2. Oh my god, Highlander <laughs> 2 is based on the fan fiction of Gremlins. It did come like a year later. <laughs> Gremlins fan fiction. Uh, so, yeah, that's not mentioned in the movie at all because. I just thought you I, might like I to know like that. Some, I feel like somebody just wrote that in there just to. Like, no, there's a novel later. about Gremlins, and it's from that. We'll, we'll, we'll have to save that one for a book club or something. <laughs> so By the way, if you're interested in joining a book club, I'm seriously thinking about creating one that is based entirely off of the cat murder mystery novel genre. Yeah, sounds intriguing. <laughs> and if you're interested, be sure to drop us uh, a message on iTunes and level. Okay. <laughs> Give us five stars if you want to join the book club. Membership is free as long as you rate us five stars. <laughs> Membership requires five star rating. <laughs> uh, so yeah, in this movie, he gets Gizmo, but he has to go on a hot date with his boss. Uh, Gizmo gets out of the drawer he was standing in. He crams in. him in a drawer and then just leaves him. He gets out. He knocks over uh, Billy's watercolors that he was using to make the sketches for uh, future buildings. It pours on him, and the gremlins jump out. And there's also John Aston messing with the water fountain, and I think that... That is... It hits one of the gremlins and spawns more gremlins. Oh, okay, yeah. So the... the so the... Because remember, when they first jump out, they're mogwais, and then they have yeah. the cocoon. So they were mm. still mogwais, and then... Yeah, John Aston uh, hit... Was playing with oh, the water fountain. <laughs> yeah, and basically like melts him down. And this poor little fuzzy creature. No, no, because no, the ditzy one goes off with Billy and because uh, Billy's girlfriend. Uh, oh Kate, yeah, uh, that's right. Picks up the goofy one, thinking it's Gizmo, and then when he comes home from his hot date, she's like, "I don't know what's wrong with Gizmo. He's like tearing up the apartment. He's super hyper." And he was like, <laughs> he was like throwing goldfish in a blender or something. Like, oh my god, shit was getting I've got weird. a new name for my metal band. <laughs> goldfish in a blender. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, so yeah, there's mass confusion and little gremlins running around now, and they yeah, Billy like, really tie up and torture Gizmo a little bit and like they're really with horrible to Gizmo. Like it's. You know it's a puppet, and it still kind of, like, makes me sad. Oh, come on, guys. Stop being so mean. <laughs> oh, they're, like, holding him over, like, pits and stuff. Like, oh, yeah. it's so sad. I'm trying to put him on, like, a little rotisserie or yeah. something. Or, like, a garbage fryer or something. I, yeah. I feel really bad for little Gizmo. So, so basically what happens there is, yeah, they all, like, get wet and eat after midnight, and they start multiplying all yeah. over the place. 
and, and they're they, all just like cocooning everywhere. And then uh, they get into the uh, the the lab, the the mad science lab or whatever, and get in with mm-hmm. all the chemicals. So and they like start the drinking all of the all of the concoctions. Yeah. So like they'll turn into like giant bats, and bat gremlins, and one of them turns into like pure electricity. And one of them turns into a giant veggie monster. No, no, he grows veggies on his face, and the other ones yeah. are picking the veggies off his face and eating them. <laughs> one of them turns into a woman. Oh, yes, that's right. The, oh, my God. The Marilyn Monroe. Uh, there's, there's a transgenderish well, so whatever that's formula. That's are male. I mean, this one just happens to take on the personality and image of... Pamela Anderson? Yeah, a super horny, like, yeah, very Pamela Anderson kind of like... As Dr. Drew would say, a female, female impersonator? Absolutely. (laughs) I don't know where she gets her outfits from either, but... uh, (laughs) 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 The finale of this movie. (laughs) (laughs) But we're getting ahead of ourselves. We are. Yeah, so Uh, one of them drinks the brain serum and becomes incredibly smart. Yeah, that's the one voiced by Tony Randall. Yes. <laughs> Brain. Investing <laughs> all apart from eating dry goods and shotguns. <laughs> We're just like every other creature. We just want to have a good time and evolve <laughs> and be able to have a society. But unfortunately, our society means we have to get rid of you. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty good. Uh, not a social commentary. Oh, yeah. uh, but they, may, they do so many references back to the first one making fun of it. Oh, my God. <laughs> so one of the greatest things about the first movie is why Kate doesn't like Christmas. Which is something you all forgot about. Not one of you <laughs> knows why Kate doesn't like Christmas. There's not one of you out there. And you've all seen this movie. Now there's a good two or three minute monologue where she explains it in excruciating detail. And we're gonna let you look that up. Yeah, do that on your own time. In this you movie, that. they reference the like President's Day is coming up or something like that. She's like, oh, I don't know, I don't like President's oh, Day. Oh, I, I had a uh, horrible experience. <laughs> and there's like, all right, right this way, honey. There's so much blood. So much blood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, don't, don't get into that whole thing again. You know, you, you know, you don't like holidays. Um, yeah. Good stuff. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there's just a lot of good things in this movie. I mean, the story's kind of ridiculous, and Absolutely. you know, it's all puppets. It's very cartoony throughout. Yeah, um, over the top puppetry. One of my favorite things in this entire thing is there's a streaker gremlin. Oh god, yes. They're all naked, <laughs> but he's wearing sunglasses and a trench coat, and he runs up in front of Phoebe Cates and then just opens his jacket, <laughs> <laughs> and she kicks him, and it's just one of those things where it's like they're all naked, but the fucking streaker just makes him so dirty. <laughs> 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 he might be one of my favorite gremlins. Yeah, I, I remember that one as a kid, too, and asking my mom what it was. <laughs> like, why did you kick him? Uh, be, because he was a mean gremlin, sweetie. <laughs> I believe my dad, just to mess with me, was like, he's a reporter, see his trench coat? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah. yeah um, so, yeah, the real star of this movie, Daniel Clamp. Oh, my uh, God, yes. He, uh, his building's being overran with these little monsters and, like, you know, security systems not really doing much other than it does go on, like, full lockdown so they can't go outside. 
Um, Which is good, because uh, they can't let the gremlins outside, although the bat one escapes. Yeah, the bat one escapes um, to become a gargoyle, spoiler alert. And it's Dick Miller. <laughs> True. That's pretty cool, too. By the um, way, watching the making of, of that scene <laughs> was great. He's like wrestling with a puppet that keeps breaking. Yeah. <laughs> like, wait, 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 cut, we gotta, we gotta reenact that. It's like the puppet with like the camera on it. <laughs> and I don't know if it's Joe Dante or like one of the assistant directors or something like attacking Dick, <laughs> Dick Miller, who's this like 60 year old man. <laughs> and they all can't stop laughing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's a, there's a good little uh, blooper reel on this mm -hmm. uh, DVD if you check it out. Uh, uh, but yeah, Clamp, he's so great. And there's a scene where, because there's Clamp TV that apparently everyone watches, <laughs> and there's a great scene where they're like, we have to cut, we have to cut. Oh, we totally forgot about the guy with the horror show. So there's Clamp TV. Oh yeah, Grandpa Munster. And Grandpa uh, Munster has like, oh. Name in this, but yeah. yeah, but it's Grandpa Munster. But he has this like a show where he's like hosting horror movies like apparently this was like a big thing in like the 60s and yeah, i've like seen the, reruns the brain that, that ate my baby or you know he yeah and then you have a host who like during commercial intermissions is like oh isn't that spooky yeah. so he's one of these guys but all he ever wanted to be was a real reporter so when the monsters take over he's still in his like grandpa monster outfit but he's like, we're here live with brain gremlin oh and who's his cameraman sweetie who is this cameraman? Asian stereotype with a That's camera! Right. <laughs> Asian tourist who wanders away from the You know group. how to operate this camera? Oh, yeah! I am a camera! He's so good. But oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, Grandpa Monster's like broadcasting. But anyway, there's a scene where they have to go offline because they have to re divert all of the power in the building to electrocute the gremlins. And they go like, how are you going to let everybody know we're going off air? And Clamp's like... Oh, like, it, oh, we finally got the going off the air video. It's like, apparently every station has it, but it's like the end of the world video. He's like, I never thought we would have a chance to use this. Oh, it's and his is like, it has like pictures of fields and he goes, and it's like, there's like voices and it's like, now that the world is ending, Clamp TV is going to have to go off the air. Due to the fall of civilization, or something like, and it's like there's like an American flag and like a bald eagle flying and, <laughs> and pooping like, up a Santa or something. Please shit. enjoy these last few moments with your loved ones before the end of uh, end of all we know. <laughs> before taken over by druid hordes. Yeah. Oh it's, my God. it's pretty amazing. And of course, he's like standing there watching it, like tear in his eye and hand over his heart. And <laughs> oh. Yeah, but, but yeah, he's he's very like a he first first finds out about the monsters when they like come in uh oh, he in, in, like, like in his office dropping his paper shredder <laughs> and he is ah ah <laughs> and then someone comes in are you okay he's like yeah i did okay um yeah what's going on and then yeah basically after that he's like taking charge and he's like all right here's what we need to do uh i need to call my buddies and swat and uh get them in here and we'll take care of these guys and well it's great the scene when uh so he's in his office the gremlin's in there like trying to attack him he crams it the paper shredder there's green goo everywhere yeah. and as he like finishes putting the thing through the paper shredder billy and uh somebody else come running in and they were like monsters have taken over the building da, 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 da. and they look around like what happened in here and Clump just goes Things got a little weird. Yeah. <laughs> like and like Green Boy comes <laughs> shooting back up and they're like, oh, what the <laughs> hell? <laughs> yeah, it's it's a 
It's a pretty good little play. I would highly recommend checking it out. Uh, I wouldn't actually call this a suck-ass sequel. Yeah, it's one of those movies where it'll pop up on lists of, like, worst sequels ever, but I also found it on, like, a couple lists of, like, best sequels ever, too. So it's one of those really, either you really love it or you really don't. And I think it depends on what you're expecting. So I think what happened with this film is um, when when they went to make the film, they knew what they were doing, and they were making fun of the first one and making fun of the whole genre and yeah. silly things like that. They were going over the top. Yeah. But I think everybody just expected the sequel to Gremlins, like, yeah. in to the same vein. Same, same tone. A same little, universe. A little same dark, yeah. but, you know, like a, a poor show you can show your kids, yeah. but not whatever. So, not so I think a lot of people were watching it and going like, the hell is going on? What is on Phoebe Kate's head in that <laughs> first? She has the most amazing hat. Yeah. But anyway, um, and so I think it's either like you either when you watch this film, you either know that it's making fun of the first one in the genre, or you don't. Yeah, I can see that. There is one scene in this movie that I think was absolute genius from the moment I saw it when I was nine years old. Hmm. You know, about halfway through the movie. Mm-hmm. It, uh, it, I remember in theaters it, it looked like like the reel was getting taken off and like yes. the gremlins had taken over the projector room or whatever like like <laughs> and then you'll hear <laughs> and you'll see like little shadows and they're like doing mm-hmm. shadow puppets with their hands and stuff and it's all hilarious and then it cuts to the audience yeah it cuts to the audience and there's the uh, uh, like uh, what are they called the the bell guys or whatever the ushers the, the ushers, ushers. Yes. I was like, I'll take care of it. Or, oh, no, no. That's All right. the gremlins are in the front row. Hmm? They're in the studio audience. They are the studio audience. Yeah, they okay. are. I, oh, I'm talking about when, and then the, the mom and the little kid come storming out of the theater and <laughs> talking to the usher, and like, this is even worse than the first one. I <laughs> 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 can't watch this. What do you want, lady? We yeah. just play the film. Yeah, we we don't make them. Well, now they dig it over there. Oh, okay. I'll take care of it. And the usher goes in and finds uh, Mr. Hulk Hogan sitting in the audience. He's like, hmm, what's going on? And he's like, are you guys up there? If you guys are <laughs> I'll put that movie back on right now, you're going to get all these sweet seven-inch pythons, and I'm going to rip you apart. And oh. it's hilarious. And then, sorry, folks, won't happen again. And then um. it goes back to the movie right where it left off. And I'm like, that's fucking genius. I love it. So great. Would you like to uh, hear the technical difficulties see? <gasps> yes. All right. Oh wait, is this the end of the world? We'll find out. Oh no no no! This is the uh, this is the the theater scene. Okay. Like there's a lot of visual comedy with it, but go on. There is, but you know, I <laughs> hold on. We're just getting past the advertisers here. Okay. But uh. But yeah, pretty little flick. Definitely check it out. Definitely. Yeah, you gotta enjoy all of it. I'll do what I want. Do it. Do it. Do it. <sighs> Tell us where you saw the things. Don't patronize me, young man. 
They're making shadow puppets. They're showing a silent film that's naked. There's an usher walking through the theater. Hulkster saved us. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the thing's genius. Yeah, it is. And, and uh, the best part is even on like uh, the VHS and DVD versions, they have a similar thing. It's not like the the film getting taken off, but it's like you know, yeah, taken over the DVD kind of thing. <laughs> so yeah. good. Are you thirsty? Uh, I am. Yes, we have a very special selection from. Belching Beaver Brewery <laughs> uh, out of Oregon, or no, Oceanside, Oceanside, California. Um, it is their peanut butter milk stout. Mmm. Oh, flavor. By the way, we, pi we picked Belching Beaver because there is a character in Gremlins, uh, one of the Gremlins does not stop belching and he's pretty great. So, uh, here's us uh, popping the top if we did belch ourselves. Got the podcast attention. And or so this this is also a pitch black beer. Nice and dark. It's got a uh, a dark khaki colored head that uh, actually dissipates pretty quickly. Mmm. It smells like peanut butter, and it smells kind of like dark chocolate, like kind of a little bit bitter. See, I'm going to go ahead and take a taste. Mm. Yeah, not a lot of peanut butter on this one, but a lot of dark chocolate. Dark chocolate is the overwhelming flavor, but very delightful. Like there's a little bit of peanut butter there, but yeah, yeah, it's a good tasty little beer. Hey, well, um, full flavor. Yeah, you have a little bit of peanut butter, but yeah, it's mostly like chocolate. Mm -hmm. and 
we'll worst continents going forward. Yeah. We'll, we'll see the most at the moment. That's probably the most out portion of it. And a little yeah. bit of lactose and stuff. But um, yeah, pretty good and enjoyable. All right. All right, who's ready for a fun fact? By the way, you may have noticed we didn't tell you the uh, the ending of the movie. We want you to figure that one out for yourself. Do Groundhogs take over the world? Okay. Find out when you watch the film. Yeah. Uh, so Chuck Jones, legendary uh, animator and stuff with Warner mm -hmm. Brothers, yeah. uh, he was lured out of retirement to the uh, cartoon segment on this movie, one with Bugs and uh, oh, Daffy Duck. And nice. That. Yeah, so that's pretty cool about this movie. Yeah, it is. I love Chuck Jones. Um, at one point, uh, the SWAT leader, played by uh, Dean Norris, uh, was going to be like Wiley Coyote to the Gremlins, uh, and you know, just be like, <laughs> he, like he would go in and they'd constantly you know, shoot him out of a rocket or whatever, just like launch him out of the building or something. Mm -hmm. And their first choice uh, for actor to be that role uh, would have been Charles Napier, Ooh. better known as the voice of Duke Phillips yeah. <laughs> from The Critic. Uh, uh, he was also in like uh, Rambo and a couple other movies, but he's got the very deep voice. And <laughs> I have, uh, there's no one left to envy. All hail Duke. Duke is life. <laughs> I have no one left to envy. I envy you for having me to envy. <laughs> My God, The Critic is probably the greatest show ever made. If uh, you have not seen The Critic, you need to turn the podcast off and go watch every episode, and all of our jokes will be instantly funnier. It's true. Uh, and only take about seven hours, because it only lasted about 22 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, I've watched them all in a day many times. <laughs> yeah. I keep telling him we need to do another podcast that is nothing but critic episodes. Yes. Uh, this movie didn't do very well at the box office, mm -hmm. uh, but that's mostly attributed to the fact that it opened the same weekend as Dick Tracy. Ooh. Um, so people were just tired of bad movies? Dick Tracy is okay. Yeah, well, that may come up on the podcast on a later date. Ooh, that could be part of our uh, movies set in the 30s and 40s, <laughs> superhero time. Oh my god, yes! <laughs> There's so many of those to choose from, and oh. they're all pretty horrible. <laughs> that actually um, sounds pretty great. All right. um, and uh, as I mentioned before, um, there was uh, Empire Magazine 2009, they had a 50 greatest movie sequels, and this was number 33. Mm. Like, but there also, there's also plenty of lists online and stuff. Where, like I said, it has the greatest movie sequels or the worst movie sequels, and that's why I kind of want to do this one, because I haven't seen it in a while, and I wanted to yeah. kind of go with it. I would say probably great. I put on the great list. I had a lot of fun with this movie. Yeah. It, it, it's fun. It's, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, it, it's, it, it's basically like a live-action cartoon. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah, I would, if, I would show this to my kids. I would sit down and watch this. Once again, I would watch this four or five times instead of, have, instead of having to watch uh, the Brave Little Toaster Coast of Mars mm -hmm. or Br Blues Brothers 2000 again. Absolutely. So, yeah, what do we learn from this movie? Mm. I learned from this movie is that you don't have to have genitalia to be a streaker. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> I learned Daniel Clamp is most definitely not running for president right now. Not even a little bit. He doesn't even talk about it at the end of the film. Nope. Not even a little bit. Not even a little bit. I don't know why you would say that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, see, what else did we learn? Um... I learned apparently Mogwai are from a different planet and they were sent to 
three planets, including KRS-One or KLM-6 <laughs> or whatever it was. KQED. Something from the Beehive Nebula. I don't know. Um, apparently there's a whole backstory to Mogwai based around uh, Dianetics. And <laughs> <laughs> so there are people under the ice, and as global warming warms up, they're becoming released. How dare you mock my mother's release like that. <laughs> By the way, if anybody has any information about the people under the ice, <laughs> please contact our Facebook page because I am incredibly curious and nobody can give me a straight answer on this. <laughs> I'm not even joking. Mm, we'll have to have a chat with certain people. Um, <laughs> yeah, so suck-ass equal month. This one actually wasn't that suck-ass. No. But we got plenty more oh. coming later. Oh my god, there's so many bad sequels. Because <laughs> they're suck ass sequels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so until next time, I'm Steve. And I'm Izzy. And this is Everything I Learned from Movies. Have a good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. I envy you for having me to envy. All hail Duke. Duke, Duke is, is life. life.